Welcome everybody to the next episode of the Cannabis Review. I'm delighted to be joined on this episode by Lauren DeFalco, who's a partner and director of research at CB1 Capital. How are you keeping today, Lauren? Good. How are you, Owen? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for taking your time to do this. I know you're very busy. Um, do you maybe want to give everybody, I think we'll start off with your story because you've got a pretty interesting story in, in your background with cannabis and tell everybody how you came to be in the industry. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, the last 25 years in, in finance and it's about 2008. Uh, I was coming back from a, a trip uh, to the, from the home office at HSBC at the time and, and ended up uh, waking up in an ambulance as I was waiting for a car to pick me up at the airport uh, back in uh, Long Island. And basically was told that I had a massive seizure and my neurologist who I went to go see after that told me that I had to start taking these medications or I would no longer be allowed to drive. So I started to take them and ended up stacking myself up on a host of other meds to deal with the side effects of these seizure meds. And it was just a decline in cognitive abilities. And I knew this was not a good long-term solution for the seizure disorder. So I started to look around and found this work being done overseas in Israel, Italy, and Spain, and other countries on the endocannabinoid system. And I took a lot of the data, especially in regards to diet, and applied it to myself copious amounts of cannabinoids. And a year later, I had another EEG with my neurologist, and she said there was no more seizure activity. And a light bulb kind of went off, like, wow, this this actually works. And, and you know, from that point on, I, I strove to find out as much as I could about what this endocannabinoid system was and, and the opportunity. Okay, incredible. Can you maybe explain to everybody what CB Capital, uh, CB1 Capital is and what your exact tactics in this industry are? Sure. So, yeah, we're, we're a long-short hedge fund. Uh, we also have a sister arm that is advisory for a whole bunch of private and public companies, but focused on cannabinoids. Uh, you know, the name CB1 is the first cannabinoid receptor that was discovered in, in the mid-90s. Um, and, and so the idea with GW Pharmaceuticals as, as the first successful uh, ideation of this with their Epidiolex was to find companies uh, going through drug development uh, through the FDA or EMA and targeting the endocannabinoid system, as well as other parts of you know receptors in the body that, that cannabinoids seem to bind to. Okay, very good. Next topic I wanted to jump onto is opportunities in medical cannabis. Do you think the industry at the moment, we obviously know Canada and America have got a head start when it comes to the cultivation and the recreational side of the industry, whereas Europe seems to have laid out a more medical-focused industry. Do you think Europe is going to have uh, an advantage when it comes to the creation of these new drugs and targeting receptors and the creation of uh, pharmaceutical-grade companies in this industry? I, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to have an advantage as much as as much as it just opens up more opportunities for investment. You know, the, the U.S. has has a hybrid model in a sense that the state programs are medical. They're all different in every state. And then there's drug development through the FDA, such as GW Pharmaceuticals with Epidiolex. So, you know, two distinct markets uh, in the near term, the medical program especially in Europe, should start to really grow. And the longer tail, because of the amount of time involved, is the drug development. And, and that's what we foresee being the larger market as time goes on. But it will, will take time to get these, these drugs into the clinic and, and through an approval process. 
And when it comes to the ingredients out of this industry, do you think the biotechnology companies that are using fermentation engineering and bioprocessing to be able to deliver these molecules on scale that might only be available at a minute percentage when it comes to the actual plant material, do you think they're the future of the medical side of the industry? Yes, we, we believe that anything that's cheaper, more consistent, and the purity levels that you'll get relative to organic farming you know, lends to the idea that those, especially for the minor cannabinoids, should be the preferred vehicle for research, you know, retail opportunities as well. Consistent supply chain with purity you know, is, is very important. So depending on how successful the scaling up of some of these miners, which we've seen some companies not execute on, there are a couple left that have, we believe, and, and so if they're successful with some of these miners, that, that should be the go-to for, for many purposes due to the cost. And what makes a good investment opportunity for you guys? What are, are there a couple of key principles, the management team, potential for IP? We can do like Danaher Systems do where we come in and we can implement our business methods onto this company and increase the value of it. Is there a specific strategy or is there a no one size fits all for this industry at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I, ideally, like, you know, management is always key you know, to understand who the operators are to drive the, the vision forward. Um, but, there, you know, there's, uh, I would say, looking at the moat of the operators is very important, understanding the, their advantages there from an IP perspective or anything else. Those are key differentiators. The size of the available market, are you, are you actually solving a problem that exists or are you just trying to duplicate something, some other process out there? So ideally, looking at management, understanding the moat, looking at the opportunity, those are all very key factors, but, but especially in a startup, it always comes back to the management. So when it comes to making investments for you guys, being a, a data gatherer of sorts and understanding the nuances of policy around the world would be a, a very advantageous thing to spot the best opportunities coming for you guys. Would that be correct? Yes, very, very focused on the regulatory change that, that's happening in various uh, geographical regions that does present opportunities. So the U.S. has been stymied with uh, you know, federal changes that have not occurred for years now. And how that, you know, will drive the industry is a key factor into how we look at the investing opportunity. Um, so looking at that, looking at journals, they're, they're, you know, for the drug development side, there's been some new cannabinoid, a couple of cannabinoid-focused journals that, that are doing a lot of the, you know, showing a lot of the preclinical work being done that will help to guide uh, drug development in terms of, of the right avenue. So, yeah, research is always key. Looking, there's a ton of information out there, and it's it's increasing the amount of, of information that's being driven through through the you know research being done through preclinical processes. Do you think the real value is in the pharma companies or the biotech companies being able to get access to these molecules and then blend them and mix them together to create their own formulations for a various type of different ailments? Is that the big money shot when it comes to this side of the industry and if it is when it comes to the ip side of things do you think it's most advantageous to get the ip as quickly as you can or to keep the process that you've created to yourself for as long as you can what's the most advantageous route yeah so trade secrets versus patents uh, you know it really depends 
And, you know, if you're talking about retail type operations, sometimes those trade secrets are, are, are better off kept. But if you're looking at drug development, you know, you're going to have to have a, a patent behind uh, the products you're bringing to market unless you're going through an orphan indication or something of that nature. So, yeah, IP uh, on, on cannabinoids, the combination for different indications, a combination of cannabinoids. We believe that is, uh, you know, where things are headed. Um, there's a difficulty once you get beyond a couple different API, you know, there's a botanical route that you can go through with the FDA as well. Um, so we do believe that once they understand what's really driving the entourage effect, as they say, for, for you know, therapeutic benefit, and we can identify the specific compounds and the specific mechanism of action that by isolating those compounds and putting them together, uh, that, that should be the path forward uh, for a lot of these countries for drug development. But there's also enzyme inhibition and, and, and metabolization uh, that, that other companies have looked at. Jazz Pharmaceuticals has a FA inhibitor uh, for PTSD that reads a phase two out uh, late fall, early winter this year. And that is not a cannabinoid. It's a enzyme inhibitor, but it targets endocannabinoids within the body. So definitely different ways of targeting the system. Uh, we saw Novo Nordisk the other day purchase a Canadian uh, cannabinoid-focused drug development company for about a billion dollars as they're going into a phase two for obesity. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, it's early, early innings, I'll say, and uh, the development should keep ratcheting up higher as more research is done. The last topic I wanted to talk to before I let you go was endocannabinoid targeted drugs. Can you maybe give everybody an overview? What are the steps that are going to be involved for a company to create an endocannabinoid targeted drug? Is it product development, orphan drug trial, clinical trial, or are there multiple steps in between? Well, I mean, you have to identify the you know the target, the indication uh, with the compound as well through you know various processes. Uh, once you've identified the right compound and indication, you have to go through all the preclinical work unless you're going to use a compound that's already gone through that for, for the 505B. Uh, so, you know, preclinical work, animal studies, IND, entering the clinic is, is the normal process. Uh, and, you know, that's typically how most of these work. When it comes to the U.S. industry, how likely are we to see federal legalization in the next 12 months, or is this just a an ongoing uh, point of uh, annoyance for everybody over there? Legalization will take probably years. There are other steps along the way. There's the banking bill, the SAFE Act, as they call it, which is supposed to come back up for committee uh, September of this year. Um, there's also rescheduling that's in motion behind the scenes, and, and the timing of that rescheduling is hard to know some point between the end of this year and the end of next year is the assumption that people have. And if we get a rescheduling down to a schedule three uh, or lower, it allows an opportunity for retail, uh, loses their 280E tax uh, penalty in a sense. For drug development, you know, there's not too much difference. There was a bill that was take, that put forth, I think last fall that, that, that tried to or some people thought it was going to open up the pathway for, for cannabinoid drug development. Uh, not so much, but, you know, it, 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 if you could do your preclinical work, 
and then you can move forward with an IND, you'll be able to work with these compounds in that setting. Incredible. I know you're a very busy man, so I'm not going to keep you any longer. It's been absolutely fantastic talking to you, Lauren. For anybody who wants to learn more about CB1 Capital, you can see the website below. It'll be in all the descriptions of where you're watching or listening to this. Lauren, for now, thank you very much for taking your time to do this. Thanks, Owen. Till next episode, everybody.